Third time the charm. Three is a magic number. Hello and welcome to another episode of Third Times a Charm and Happy New Year. It's January. It's the first episode of the year and hopefully I could keep this up, but I want to start by doing more recent movies this year. So coming right out of the gate here, episode 68, Jurassic World Part 3, Jurassic World Dominion. I am your host, Mycosaurus Rex. <laughs> Joining me today, he wasn't engineered in a lab. He wasn't grown to roam free on an island, but he is here with us today. My unofficial co-host, Brian Rodriguez. Brian, thank you for joining me. I thought it was going to be like Brian Raptoriguez. Rodriguezaurus. Rodriguezaurus. Briodactyl. Briodactyl. <laughs> Happy to be here, Mike. Thank you for joining me in the new year. It's going to be just the two of us. Uh, if you're listening to this and you like what you hear, you can catch Brian and I on our more prestigious show, Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, the Cut by Cut Francis Ford Coppola podcast, where we review the life's work of one Francis Ford Coppola, the film director, auteur, a writer. I don't think he's an actor. Has he acted in anything? We'll have to get into that next time we uh, meet up for that show. I don't know. Brian also hosts High School Slumber Party, which I'm a frequent guest on, and we discuss the Corey films a lot over there together. Today, it's all about the dino. So thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready for a ride. Mike, you mentioned the Corey films really quickly. Like, I cannot believe when like I got the year-end data on High School Slumber Party, just how popular the Corey films were. Like, Because I, I just think no one's listening to those. And look, some of them are not as popular, but Lucas was very popular. I forgot what other one was like. It was like, whoa. I think Me, Myself, and I, that one might have been even like popular wow. again popular for high school slumber party but people love the Corey stuff so in 2023 this new year it'll be back at some point on high school slumber party i joke about how that's sort of hard or torturous at times but it's all part of the facade of breaking kayfabe for a moment here i love the Corys. i love that but i sort of play the role not of the heel per se but i don't know what you would call it someone who's just sort of beat down by the Corys from time to time but i do love them well, yes, but I think there's some truth to the beatdown in a sense of we do it all in a row and it's all awesome, but in different ways. Like a lot of it is so wacky and I don't want to say not good, but it's just not the level of film we talk about on Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. It's maybe more on the level of what this show has been about for most of its run. That caliber of film sort of more stuck in the D to B range of uh, entertainment. Very very early on, I covered Jurassic Park 3, the first Part 3 in the Jurassic series, uh, but it's sort of been a while since I feel like I've done anything kind of mainstream, but I've been trying to get back there, and here we are, you know, talking about Beatdown, try watching all six of these in a row, it will make your head spin for sure, I bet. You know, I, I figured we'd just start by getting into our history, as we do on this show, with the Jurassic series, as it were. Now, there are six of these movies on the show, I cheat a little bit. I, I mean, it's not really, because it is, the first series is the Jurassic Park trilogy, and this is the Jurassic World trilogy. Yeah, it's very clear that it's a series with two trilogies. Horror, you see that sometimes, right? Like, we, we've talked about it. The new Halloween, right, you said was a, another trilogy in it. 
Yeah, and so this is interesting as well because I guess what happens with Star Wars, right? In in a way, is oh that yeah, duh. that's the most obvious one. There's three trilogies in that. That kind of sparked what we're going to see and talk about a bit with in Jurassic World is kind of bringing these legacy characters back and kind of doing a. But there's some people throw around like soft reboot or requel or something like that. But before we get all the way there, let's take it back to the magical time of 1993 and the world was amazed by cgi and steven spielberg and michael Crichton and jurassic park and brian where were you when you first saw jurassic park well mike i was only six years old i did not see this in the theater i was very aware of it though because like everyone at school was talking about jurassic park and every kid pretended he saw jurassic park but it had permeated so much in the culture i'm gonna guess that was like first grade or so that we were just so excited to get any snippet of jurassic park like you know award shows that would have a little clip of jurassic park we were excited about we couldn't wait for that vhs to come out because we knew you know our parents would let us watch it at least on vhs right yeah i remember distinctly this is like an early child or at least like a kindergarten slash first grade memory it's so specific i don't know if your listeners care but i'm going to share it anyway do it up do you know when jurassic park came out what month of the year it was was it a winter thing or was it summer so it came out in june june 11 1993 was its initial release date in north america so and i and i remember being there so yeah i think it was a i think it was a warm summer eve so this must have been the you know grammar school christmas pageant that we were having in 1993 like me and my friend weren't in it but like the toys were so big for us dinosaurs people people think jurassic park like made dinosaurs blow up dinosaurs were were getting cool before jurassic park like that's a misnomer let me just butt in real quick if i may like one of those dinosaurs with the big domes on his forehead and stuff but yeah so first this is the age before the internet everybody even even six-year-old brian rodriguez didn't grow up with the internet so like i feel you when you're like watching entertainment tonight just to see anything can and then the other thing is like dinosaurs were always fucking awesome they were never not cool as far as i was concerned you know like i think that's just part of growing up as a human is like it just sparks your imagination so so much and like creates this sense of wonder and kind and honestly like when you're very young it gives you like a very interesting perspective on the world my point is uh, i'm right there with you jurassic park did not make dinosaurs cool they've always been awesome yeah i hate that even kids of my generation have been like oh yeah jurassic park like that's how i got into dinosaurs and i even remember again as a kid like you know those like famous dinosaur sheets i'm sure if i showed you the print of them you'd be like Mm -hmm. i've seen those uh land before time had already come out right i know godzilla's not technically a dinosaur but for all intents and purposes like he's dinosaur like right yeah so this winter pageant i want to bring you back to right me and my friend heard one of these like very talented young women in the school was playing the theme to Jurassic Park. And this is something that, Mike, you probably remember. I remember Kate Hudson mm-hmm. on my show, High School Slumber Party, has talked about it. When you didn't know what an album or a song would sound like, there was no leaks. They didn't drop things on Spotify, right? So you would just imagine what that band's next album would sound like. So for us, we were imagining what the score of Jurassic Park would sound like. We just, we had the toys. We knew it was a badass movie. So we were like, yeah. I remember we were th- like thinking like, oh, there's gotta be a cool guitar in it. Like Jurassic Park. You know what I mean? <laughs> Our minds were 
overblown and not in a good way about like the beautiful, you know, John Williams score. Like, dun, 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 dun. This girl oh, yeah. played it on piano. And we're like, wait, that's the theme to Jurassic Park? That's not cool at all. So to see it for the first time and truly understand it as a kid and again I know you were a little bit older so it probably wasn't Jurassic Park for you but for that movie like I I knew who Alan Grant was before watching the movie because I had the toy right I, I remember people coming back home and telling me like my aunt and stuff like telling me about scenes in it stuff. So, so like you're putting this all together in your head and when you finally watch that VHS and like oh that's Alan Grant that's this character that's Malcolm that's it and you put it all together and for it to meet your expectations it's just awesome. So I definitely was a Jurassic Park kid. I will say this. I know a lot of people, like Kyle Reinfried, who's been on your show and my show, our good friend. A lot of people hold up the series in a lot of reverence. I do, for sure, because I love Spielberg. And it was so momentous at the time. But I never had a problem with them making these world movies, I guess. The world trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Because to me, it was always just like a monster movie. You know what I mean? It was always like a pop corn flick a blockbuster again don't want to get on this rant now i'll probably get on this rant later but this is what pisses me off with some people in star wars as well like they hold it too high on a on a different kind of pedestal that like some of the movies and shows have to be perfect and if they're not perfect they just suck to them and i and i hate that i'm just setting the scene <laughs> good look i'm kind of right there with you deep down uh what i would love to believe is that nothing is sacred take a shot at redoing anything and see what you know like i personally i think andor is incredible because one of the things why I feel like it works for me is that it doesn't need to be Star Wars, but the fact that it is and it works so well as part of that world is just incredible. But like, you know, the other thing about Jurassic Park, it's like after sort of like the shock wore off, I guess, of the first movie and CGI was kind of everywhere and you were seeing dinosaurs all over the place and there were multiple movies. Like I kind of fell off that train of Jurassic Park was good or like anything. I kind of just regarded it as like almost like an effects reel. Like, oh, the it's not so much like there's not really that much like story and shit going on it's more about like oh look at how far technology's gone but i've come around on that again and i'm like no like this story is a lot of fun the characters are cool there's growth with some of them when it comes down to it part of the whole point of the original movie is that it's about milking a franchise you know it's about establishing a franchise around a dinosaur which is like a living creature and they're going to resurrect it they're going to clone these things and they're just going to make as much money as possible they're just going to do the colonel tom parker show it then they are going to sell you dinosaurs my boy (laughs) pet the dinosaur if you would like to it will be fine you know so like i had never had an issue with jurassic park becoming a franchise let alone one of diminishing returns which it kind of has become only only story-wise not money-wise let's be clear this came out 2022 the critics panned it 27 percent of rotten tomatoes still made a billion dollars the second highest grossing movie of 2022 a lot of people don't want to but you should credit this movie with bringing people back to the theaters it was one of those yeah i i kind of use that turn of phrase you know too liberal I guess, because what I really mean is that like the movies don't get better necessarily, but that doesn't exactly matter. That's not why I'm here to see them. You know, the story is almost the same every time. And when with the new world trilogy, like they've kind of 
are retelling the same movies again. But just to tip my hat, I thought Dominion was my favorite one out of the new three. Wow. So like, yeah. And and I mean, not that that's not to say that it's it, on any level like a better movie than uh, the first two that came before. But like, I just found myself having more fun during some of it. Now that there are a lot of ridiculous things that we have to get into soon enough, but I want to finish sort of talking about all the movies that came before this. Do you have any other sort of memories or reverence to Lost World or Part 3 or when Jurassic World came out? And did you even see Falling Kingdom? Do you remember enough stuff that you didn't need to rewatch any of the previous movies to sit down for Dominion? So the first three I saw a million, million, billion times over, right? I was excited for Jurassic World. I think I saw it in theaters. My wife, by the way, loves all these movies i think because she loves animals mm. and you know she's not a film snob like us with a podcast right she's not dissecting things like that she's just in it for fun you know she saw all three of these before i did i believe the world trilogy should have had her on probably i i had seen fallen kingdom but like loosely in the background right like i didn't pay attention as much and this one she was watching and i was watching on the side like a couple months ago like when it first went to peacock or vod like this is the first time i actually sat down and watched it and i get a lot of people of the older generation were, were disappointed with this series but i'll go back to this mike maybe this is sacrilege to you because i know you love this series but watching it this time reminded me so much of the original planet of the apes not like the newer ones right like the original planet of the apes series okay in, in a sense like this they kept making those and if you were a kid you didn't really care about the fucking critical ratings, right? If you were into that kind of series, great, they made another movie. I hope they make more Jurassic Park movies, and maybe some will be good, and maybe some won't be good. Whatever. I know kids love this series. I've heard that, and how is it getting a billion dollars if it wasn't for kids loving this series? Maybe it's not for the auteurs out there who want to watch a quote-unquote mm. good movie, right? Even Godzilla. I know that's a Japanese series, so it's it's harder to compare because there's so many of them. But why can't they just make infinite amount of Jurassic Park movies and... yeah. If kids still like him, if people still like him, I just say, why not, is my point. Keep it going. I agree. And I think Apes and Zilla are good examples because like this, when you're younger, or at least when I was younger, I watched those movies and I'm in it because there's talking apes and there's a giant monster running around and like there's dinosaurs jumping all over the place. Okay. When you're older and you're rewatching at least the original Planet of the Apes series and many of those Godzilla films, you're like, holy shit, there's social commentary going on down under all all of this like these movies are deep there's a level to most of these that you probably wouldn't expect the first time around i mean especially like that planet of the apes series with jurassic park yeah there's some of that right the dangers of cloning and corporate espionage and you know evil corporations and like environmentalism and all this and that but like i'm always kind of just there for the dino action none of that other stuff ever really sinks in the way i feel like it could if you catch my drift yeah no i hear you with that and i guess for me maybe it's not as deep but i still think it arguably no i don't still think i know it has more action than both those series totally combined and it's like a little less of the depth because i actually do think like there is deep meaning it just doesn't change right like there's no like this is the one yeah. that's gonna point at this no like it's all the same like you shouldn't have cloned the dinosaurs you know what i mean and in fact i would argue this one has the most to say because they're loose in our world and there's a lot about the global ramifications of different you know, ecosystems clashing and this and that and it evolving and 
poaching and, you know, all kinds of things that sort of feel a little more relevant that we can't ignore. Whereas when, when Jurassic World came out, it was more like we're remaking Jurassic Park on the grand scale. And it's still just about what if the Pirates of the Caribbean came alive and ate everybody? Yeah. I don't really have much else to say about that first trilogy. You know, if you'd like to hear my thoughts on Jurassic Park 3, I believe Tobin and Kara, I think were on that episode. I know Tobin was definitely on that episode. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, that'd be cool. You could get caught up with my thoughts on the Jurassic Park series. Briefly, before we do our Dominion wrap, I just want to briefly touch on Jurassic World. I saw the first two in theaters. Wow. I actually quite enjoyed what they did with Jurassic World. It was like the first movie, but if the park sort of passed inspection, if the first movie went well and Alan Grant was like, yeah, this is great. I'll sign off on this. Uh, and then, you know, the shit hits the fan. So I thought that was kind of an interesting take on it. Jurassic World Dominion, when they started getting into like cloning humans and, and straying away from being dino-centric, my interest drifted. And this one, they just go completely wackadoo with science, magic, whatever, we'll get into it. But any highlights of the World Series for you? Is it Chris Pratt by any chance? You know, is it Bryce Dallas Howard, possibly? Well, if you want to talk about character evolution, Bryce Dallas Howard's character evolution is actually pretty good, right? Yeah, it charts very well over three movies. I know Chris Pratt's not the most popular guy out there among a certain segment of people. I get it, but he's also just supposed to be like an Indiana Jones-esque hero. Rugged man. Highlights from the World Series, honestly, not really, except the exact thing you said, Mike. The idea, I was mesmerized by the first one, not so much for plot and all the things that were happening there. For me, it was seeing the what-if of... What if the park actually worked out? You know, because I think when you're a kid, I wish it was actually a thing. Like, what would it be like if I went there, right? That was like the lunch table talk, for sure. Even at that <laughs> age, at like 13, 14, was like, dude, could you imagine if we could actually go to Jurassic Park? Like, would you go? Of course I'd go. Like, it'd be amazing. Yeah. And again, you could say for all three movies, they just keep not learning the lessons. Yeah, like, this is the T-Rex. This is the Indominus Rex. This is the I'm gonna fucking kill you Rex. But Mike, in the World Series, I love the idea that they created that Indominus Rex. People hated that. But for me, if you were in this world and you needed a new interaction and you can create anything, why are you going by the old book, right? Go to the new book. I think that's what would have happened in real life is what I'm saying. You know, it's kind of weird because as much as I want more Jurassic movies, it's like I don't want more of the same thing, which is kind of what you keep getting with them. You know, there is only sort of so many places you can go before you have to get fucking crazy with oh, it. And like, oh, I have ideas, by the way. I have ideas. There's just one or two things I wanted to mention and it's like that is I don't feel like they push the crazy science enough like i love indominus rex but give me a dinosaur with like four arms and like six legs like make it a split between like an insect and a dinosaur like get crispin like crisp up these dna genomes and sequences and give me something fucking really scary and really bizarre that has nothing to do with dinosaurs by the third or sixth movie i even heard rumors of what a proposed part four was gonna be and it was like the military are splicing human and dino dna to create Hulk-like soldier. I'll just get to it now. I had my idea of like how to push the science further and, and how to make it a bit wackier if you can get there. 
And 100%, top of the list has to be Dino Man, right? I think we didn't get it because of Planet of the Apes. They didn't want to like look like they were copying. You know, Lizard Man, I think, in, in Amazing Spider-Man, they didn't quite pull him off. Like, there's something about, like, the effects of it. Yeah, right. You don't know if you do makeup and CG. Like, that's a, that's a, that's a hard one. To, yeah. Right, how about this? How about a DNA dinosaur that's maybe halfway through the process like it was abandoned and it was birthed anyway right so it's almost like zombie like right Ooh. an incomplete zombie like raptor or something along those lines there are levels you could go here maybe they don't want to make it too scary for kids i'm with you now that we're here let's push the envelope yeah like that's a cool idea like i love the idea of maybe like self-healing dinos you know like they're testing all kinds of things on these dinosaurs because it's just like there's no law right now or whatever the one place i, I want everywhere to always go i think this came up in the xenomorph discussion on alien 3 is that they got to talk. They are so close to talking in this one. They're basically telekinetic. Like, I feel like they can read minds <laughs> at some level, which is like another thing to do with them is to like let them have powers, like breed fire breathing dinosaurs or something. The mind reading thing, like, how about even like what's that scene from like Independence Day where like the alien is oh, communicating yeah. through the human? You tell me you can't do that here or something similar, right? It's there. If they want it to turn it there i think they're gonna i mean it seems like they're gonna take a little bit of a breather but we haven't seen the end of this oh no the budget wasn't that big when you think of like avatar style budgets right like i think it was like 170 million dollars which yes is a lot but not the craziest budget no and especially you know this was mostly done during a lockdown, during a pandemic, released during a pandemic. So like it overcame lots of obstacles to get here. There is always another, just another place I always want to take a series is what if they find dinosaur bones on Mars? Space, yeah. We go to space. Like imagine the creatures and the things that could be jurassified out there. Also what I just realized about this movie is Chris Pratt is here. He'll be playing the voice of Mario soon. Mario <laughs> rides on Yoshi. He never rode on a raptor in this movie, but no. it would have been awesome. Here's my space idea, Mike, as we are getting wacky before we even talk about the movie. How about they sent chimps to space? They sent animals to space before humans. They get to Mars because we send them there. And, you know, we, we're not sure what happens to them. The mission goes haywire. They send a crew up, the first crew on Mars, and guess what? Raptors have somehow adapted to Mars. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. It's much better than where I thought you were going, which is like, I think this was in a cartoon, maybe a Rick and Morty, but like, imagine we send the dinosaurs to Mars and just because dinosaurs are somewhere, like an asteroid comes for it, like they're attracted <laughs> to dinosaurs, and then it crashes into Mars and terraforms the planet for us. And so we just keep sending dinosaurs across the universe in hopes that they will be chased down oh, by another asteroid to terraform that world. I like that too. That's definitely from something I saw recently. It's probably a Rick and Morty thing. I digress. Let's get into this one. I'll do a brief plot synopsis here leaving out multiple details so we could talk about a lot of it as we want to and stuff but just to give the broad strokes 
you know, I guess after the first two Jurassic World movies, we have Owen and Claire, played by Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. They are looking after Maisie, who is the genetically cloned girl from the last movie that they find in the haunted mansion filled with dinosaurs and the creepy old man in the lab and stuff. So she's like what I think secretly Jurassic Park was all kind of building towards, which was just like a front for human cloning one day. Yeah, 100%. But they never really say that explicitly. Anyway. Turns out that there's an evil, another evil corporation run by the character Dogson from the very first movie who met with Dennis Nedry to try and get some samples. This time he's played by Campbell Scott. It turns out that they are breeding Jurassic locusts to target cornfields in America that aren't using their company's corn you don't use their corn these crazy locusts are going to fly around and eat all your crops but the locusts have kind of gone out of control and they can't stop them so it is up to basically chris pratt bright Dallas howard and their new friends played by laura dern and sam neill alan grant and ellie settler who are back from the first series and they have gotten some inside information and an invitation from Ian Malcolm played by Jeff Goldblum who works for the evil corporation and he thinks that they are breeding the locust and he brings them to their secret lab in a valley filled with dinosaurs and they stop the locust and they stop like all the locust stuff but that's like not the fun important stuff that's just like the device to get them to do things in the movie the girl Maisie's kidnapped because they want her dna and it turns out that henry Wu is going to use it benevolently to like save us all from the locusts it's crazy what i liked about this movie is just all the dino action chasing and and fun stuff like that so there you go what do you think brian did i leave anything out pretty good summary for me, I did like that they brought the original characters in and they gave them something to do. They weren't just cameos. And I think I was reading that this is part of the COVID thing, though. But I love how they had their separate stories, new characters and old characters, until the end. And then the worlds sort of collide. I mean, look, this movie's too long. I don't need a, a two hour and a half movie. I don't. But I get it because it was almost two separate stories in one. Like you could have had the Ellie Sadler, Alan Grant movie, and you could have had the Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard movie. But whatever. Like it's cool that there were two of them. And they, they actually introduced some new or newer interesting characters. That pilot played by DeWanda Wise, I thought was really, really cool. Some of the criticisms of the first one, Jurassic World, were some of the gender stuff, right? Like Bryce Dallas Howard's like running around in high heels and She's like so damsel in distress to Chris Pratt. Well, at this point, like I said, character development, she's definitely like on at least equal terms with him in terms of badassness. And you introduce a character like, again, the pilot. I, sorry, I don't remember her name. Also, I thought the scientist who Malcolm befriends, who kind of turns on Dodgson, was cool too. Yeah, the Ramsey Cole character. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was I like that. Yeah, the whole stuff going on with that—not InGen, I forget what they call it—but the whole thing going on with like the new evil corporation stuff was very interesting because everybody was like kind of like turning on each other. It Biosyn, okay, yeah. So, ooh, Biosyn, S I N. <laughs> 
very uh, subtle, guys. But what I thought was interesting was like, you know, Campbell Scott's character thought he was, he was like, I'm doing one thing and I'm telling them another thing. And then like Henry Wu's like, I'm doing one thing and telling them another thing. And then Ramsey Cole's like, I'm doing one thing and telling them another thing. Like everybody's got their own agendas about like what they really want out of that corporation, which I thought was like kind of interesting. As an adult, this is one of the things I actually really liked because it's like it so mirrors like Silicon Valley corporations and just kind of the cult that they sort of become on these like campuses, like the Googleplex and and like where I don't remember what Apple's headquarters is, right? Like it's a big donut. Malcolm is literally telling him what they're doing is wrong, like for most of his speech. Yeah. Dodgson I had a problem with a little bit because again, I know it's like a one minute scene in Costa Rica with Dennis Nedry, but he does not feel like that same person. Not at all. This guy was like Steve Jobs, Tim Cook. Well, it's been, what, like 30 years? So maybe he is this guy now? Maybe, but for your fashion to change that much, I guess he was in disguise, even though no one cared. I definitely take your point because, like, considering Ellie, Ian, and Alan are, like, basically haven't changed at all, which is fun. They're wearing the same clothes. I don't know if you noticed that they're all essentially wearing the same clothes as the first film. (laughs) See, that's why I don't know if I could have just had a movie of the three of them. Not just that we introduce these other characters we have to wrap up their stuff as well but i just felt like it was just the right amount you know what i'm saying i just couldn't do this like all over again we've done enough retreading i'm glad that they're trying to move these characters forward a little bit instead of running them around in a circle again yeah like okay the only one who's like running around in a circle and i don't care is malcolm because he's like still the comic relief malcolm's movie we all know this is the lost world right like he becomes the star and that's like his most development alan grant gets part three which he learns nothing no he's sort of like a retread in that one but we do learn there that ellie sadler has moved on and she's a whole other family but this they're shipped back together again and i couldn't be happier you know it reminds me of there's so many people who maybe i guess ellie sadler wanted a family and obviously she didn't want i mean it's clear she wanted a family because she talks about it in the first film despite how old I looked this up the other day. How old was Laura Dern in the first film? She's like young AF. Let me see. No, it's like crazy. It felt like a teacher-student kind of crush in the first movie. I wasn't even 100% positive like when she said she wanted kids that it was with him. She was 26 in that role. Can you believe that? Wow, that's crazy. So young. But you're so right, Mike. Like now they feel more like peers than like what they sort of were in that movie. That like they've gone on this life journey and it's not like lovey-duddy or like too romantic, but they feel more like they actually do belong together. It feels like they are in a madcap romantic comedy with dinosaurs and espionage and all this crazy shit going on like the original team is the comic relief and it's like and it's more than that actually it's like i think it's really clever how we should say colin trevorrow is back to direct this one he directed jurassic world he's back here for this and i think it's really clever the way he utilized the legacy cast in that way where it's like owen and claire or Bryce and Chris, like their storyline is so severe, like they need to rescue a kidnapped child. That's that's heavy, you know. Their cloned kidnapped child, not cloned of them, but yeah, yeah, not even their kid. Like it's a lot of stuff going on to figure out. But then, like you have Laura Dern and Sam Neill basically Scooby doing the shit out of their time. Jeff Goldblum like slipping them secret access keys, and then like getting lost in like the fertility lab, can't find their way about in the giant complex and rehashing old times like it's just used as like 
like, oh, we're kind of like comfort. Even if what they're doing isn't necessarily like funny or interesting, it's just like, oh, it's nice to see them again in the middle of this mania. And I'm glad they're here to play along. The movie, again, not that it takes itself seriously, but like it's a serious, it's more of a serious tone. You know, it's way far from what Spielberg was bringing in that first series to what where we are now. Well, look, look at the title of the first three movies. Jurassic Park. Look at the titles of these. Jurassic World. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I'm not saying the stake shouldn't be higher, but I'm just saying I feel like there's less fun. There's always kind of a uh, a wink and a nod in Jurassic Park 1 and like a fun one-liner, you know, like clever girl and like all kinds of things. And there's just a, a lighter touch to Jurassic Park, which I think is a little more family friendly, whereas like the Jurassic World series gets much more intense and, and darker and for all intent and purpose, uh, you know, just more, I feel, adult than the previous entries. Maybe, but they're so popular with families, these Jurassic World movies. Like, that's where they make their bread and butter. So it's hard to say. Like, I wouldn't, but I could have covered this for High School Slumber Party, being that one of the main characters is a teen like that. Again, it'd be a stretch. I don't remember the middle movie, but the first one, a lot of the action is with those two kids. And and that's a good throwback to the original, right? Kids are a main part of the storyline, too. These are blockbusters. They know they're blockbusters, and I'm totally okay with that. But you know what's in this one that rubs me the wrong way and I think is maybe in the last one too a little too much is there's a lot of guns and there's a lot of gunplay and there just wasn't any of that really in the first movie, maybe some in the second, but it was like poachers. So they're using darts and nets and I don't think there was any like shotguns or or pistols or things necessarily. Maybe maybe the one guy hunting the T-Rex, but like, you know, if you take my meaning, it just feels like they're playing more dangerously. Like, because like you said, like the action with the kids makes it feel like a kid could survive this. But like in this one, I don't feel like a kid could like survive this adventure necessarily, you know? The girl Maisie is basically locked up for most of the movie and then is just there for the escape um, when she's like ushered away by five adults. So, uh, you know, I'm just saying like, I just wish it was a little more kid friendly. I know that's going to sound weird, but there's just something off about like shooting a dinosaur or like shooting at, you know, Laura Dern. Yeah, I could see that. Like, that makes sense. Like, I'm not necessarily a big fan of that. Some of it's okay. Like, I understand if that's the story you want to tell. Um, I almost feel like this movie could have opened up with Maisie's identity becoming public knowledge, and then you just kind of move on from that entire storyline and build something new from those ashes and just keep it going and be like, oh yeah, remember that? Okay, well, that happened, and now, like, because of that, we're on to this. Look, is this movie, like, amazingly done? In certain ways, yeah. But it's also, I think they know their audience at this point. Like, there are moments where it's just wrestling. Like, the end, with like, it's, it's a wrestling match of dinosaurs in the end. I don't think it's ever been to this level of just, like, it's triple threat match, and it's just literally they're in a circle. It's a tag team. You're right. It is a two-on-one kind of thing, and the one guy is sort of plays dead and comes back and like does the whole fake out but i just kind of saw that as maybe again too much of a callback to what they always end these movies on which is like the humans are being chased by the dinosaurs but then like here comes another dinosaur and now like it's a dinosaur rumble then the humans escape i never really had an issue with any of that and so this time around i didn't think it was any better or any worse i was just like oh this is this is how they end Well, Mike, I'm going to give you some time to change your mind, or or maybe you'll be reaffirmed when you watch the movie again, because I hope you're aware that we will be covering this on Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. Why on earth would we? 
do that. Because the cinematographer is none other than a true, actual nephew of Uncle Francis. John Schwartzman is the cinematographer of this film. Get out of here! He's a true nephew. Again, we, it would be years in the show if we're getting up to these films, but I just had to mention that. That is a great connection. I love that. I love that we watched this movie just to find that out. Uh, I, You know, this movie looks great. I, I would say, you know, my issue is really with this whole Locust thing. It's just kind of ridiculous. Like, it's not so ridiculous. I can't go along with it as just a plot device to get them to go where they need to. But I just feel like they could have come up with anything else. Like, at one point in the movie, which I thought was really cool, is that there's like this dinosaur black market dealer and she looks like the secretary to the guy in the incredibles that that pixar cartoon the secretary to syndrome she has these <laughs> dinosaurs that are like they are weaponized where like she she laser points on someone and then she clicks with the uh beacon and like they zone in like a homing missile i thought the whole movie could have just been about that the idea that someone is creating these and they're shuffling them around on the black market and it turns out they're coming from this dino apple cult place and and he gets the intel instead of these locusts which just raise even more questions uh, that are never answered it would have been a little cleaner and i could have gone with that and it's just you know it's all just how do we get them together in the evil lab so that they can destroy it and free all the dinosaurs i think when they're in these corporate meetings they're always thinking how can we universe build how can we have our own mcu and i think they love hearing like a colin or whoever like the ceos i'm saying or like i don't know the board members that love hearing like yeah and this is a character that we could do a spinoff on or and this is a thing we can explore with another movie down the road you know what i mean so i i see in that character i see hints of oh there's unanswered questions another movie it's it's a cash grab i'm not in favor of it necessarily but that's why I think not everything is is tied up here. And I honestly think it's beautiful. But we, when we get that beautiful ending montage of like, this is the world now, it's not like, it's over, guys. It's more like, if we want to take it, here's the next step. And again, why wouldn't they when you're going to gross this amount of money? I'll take a movie where it's just sort of trying to round up all the dinosaurs to get them like to a certain valley so that they could all be together you know just so that they're you're not driving down the 101 and a fucking stegosaurus steps out in front of you or you're you're on like route 80 and like you know there's a triceratops all of a sudden it's like you're in an airplane and there goes a pterodactyl like that's unnerving i want to watch that world but i don't want to live in that world brian this comes up a lot i think this is a safe move nowadays especially for something like jurassic park that needs or wants to explore more of this give it a show a show would be great it would be like the walking dead but with dinosaurs that's basically what this is now you know dinosaurs are all around the world out and about it's basically a dino plague can't go shopping without seeing a dinosaur it's just like you know what if zombies were everywhere it'd be a very interesting show i think to focus on that I think if Peacock had the momentum of some of the other networks, that would already be in the works. I know Peacock is like, I don't want to say struggling, but they're still getting their footing. Like to just green light a show like that, you need to know that the audience is going to be there. I think that, that we're going to get that at some point. I cannot see, again, why they wouldn't. They don't care about the sanctity of what this is. What really set Jurassic Park apart for a long time were the dinosaurs. And now like you can kind of do that at home if you're talented enough. So. Adjusted-wise, all the Jurassic Worlds 
have made over a billion dollars. This one was the least profitable um, of the worlds. But I mean, look, we're in a different time as well, COVID wise. And, and when this came out, you know, Lost World didn't crack over a billion. Jurassic Park 3 was the one that like, you know, made the least amount of money. There wasn't as much fanfare there regardless. I mean, but these, these all made money. And I think they'll continue to make money. They've made $6 billion off a combined $730 million budget. That's a lot of money. Again, why would they stop? If they could get the ball rolling with this, and again, I'm not saying I'm in favor of this critically wise, but if you're Universal and you have Peacock, you could get the ball rolling on like a Walking Dead style show. You can go back in time. You know what I mean? You could tell another story of Isla Nubar, or I mean, literally back in time if you really want. But you could do a lot of things. You could do a young Hammond. They want this. They want that to happen. I think they're waiting for the right time to strike because if they do it, and the first like show or whatever fails, then you, you know it really sucks for them. So yeah, isn't there like a Jurassic Park animated thing on Netflix? It, it's never gonna die out completely, but it's something that it feels like they need to resuscitate it every once in a while. It's not something that is sustaining itself yet, you know. So with like a show or a cart, another cartoon or more action figures, just keep pumping this stuff. Comic books, novels, you know, that's how Star Wars and all these other things like really expand their universe. And you know. You want to you want to know everything about the galaxy? Like you better you know go to the library as well. The big thing I think when we talk about these franchises is like getting the right person to helm the whole thing because uh, the right person can do wonders and the wrong person can just ruin something. Right? I don't know if Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, I don't know if he's the right person or not. I think he did a decent job here. Obviously, they made a lot of money. I don't know if he's necessarily interested in that, but I would not be shocked if they were looking for someone to basically run the universe of the Jurassic Park universe, right? Like maybe uh, a Kevin Feige assistant who's not getting the love in the MCU and wants to kind of spin it off into his own thing. That's what I would do, right? Like if I'm in charge of a Peacock, I get his like his right-hand person, his third to right-hand person, but someone who's been involved with that like universe building and be like, hey, come here. We're going to make you the czar of this and let's go. Let's see what we can do. You know, this, this series has two like mini movies. I didn't realize that. I knew there was one. I knew, I knew one came out for Jurassic World Dominion, um, like last summer maybe or like a year and a half ago uh and it was pretty interesting it was like a bunch of people at a drive-in and then a dinosaur attack happens and uh the father has to like save his children that was pretty well done keep doing stuff like that so i'm just reading some articles now as we talk so trevor Rowe does not want to return he did express interest but this is interesting because we know she's really talented but like he was like why not have bryce dallas howard direct one right like she knows the series she's been in it that would be good because she's also involved in star wars a lot she's directed a bunch of that she knows how to sort of handle a universe you know that's interesting yeah yeah and i know people are against nepotism but like i wouldn't be against with putting her in charge of the entire series like well, I mean, it's it's not like Ron Howard ever had anything to do with Jurassic Park, though, you know? No, but what I'm going to cite is, like, she knows through probably working close with her father or knowing her father, like, how to run probably every aspect of production, not just directing, so... Mm -hmm. See, you just made my case for nepotism, is that, like, I never have a problem because, you know, if you're parents or actors, like, it kind of makes sense that you could 
possibly become a good actor as well if that is their trade and they're there to help you you know what I, like it just i don't know it makes more sense to me in the entertainment industry than it does in like the business or other worlds because yes and no but like if you have someone in your ear who's been there your whole life and is telling you exactly what happened you're just naturally or at least you should naturally be a little bit better at that right another thing i wanted to mention is that like the characters who've been I'm reading between the lines, but it seems like they were purposely made for other films are the ones that we had already mentioned. The Ramsey Cole character, the Kayla Watts character, which was the pilot. Cause like there is more to that story. You could see her being in that world with that villain that you mentioned before. Oh yeah. That character definitely felt like she was doing shit between Jurassic Park movies. Like she had a couple episodes of a show or something. <laughs> Henry Wu, Dr. Wu, like not only do I applaud them bringing him back for the entire new trilogy? I wish they brought the kids back somehow this time around, you know? Like, even if it was just like a Skype call or something, just being like, Alan Grant needed to call one of the kids because he's like, oh, I can't remember this dino fact from a book I read. And, and he's like, Gala, Gala, Galabimus. Or what if, like, the kid that he jokingly, you know, pretended to slice open with a raptor nail in the first movie what if he grew up to run the evil biosyn and like it was all to get back at alan grant one day <laughs> you want to hear something funny uh like there was a rumor like before jurassic world came out there was like i think it was an internet rumor but i remember like talking about it with friends that chris pratt's character was actually that kid I had heard that it was the, the kid, like Hammond's nephew. Like, I thought that was the rumor. But you're telling me now that it's the boy that got scared shitless. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of better because then he grew up to be, like, fearless of raptors. Yeah, like, he, like, took that moment and was just like, fuck it. <laughs> 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 what a way to turn because that would be like a traumatic moment for them they'd never get over but this kid took it and owned it <laughs> they should put us in charge of jurassic town or whatever they're gonna call it <laughs> the next one yeah well not just the next one the whole show fuck it like i'll run that show i would love for that to be the rest of my life just talking about dinosaurs and and thinking of ideas and having a having an episode where like there is a talking dinosaur uh having an episode where there is a uh, a mutant man and all kinds of crazy like scientific abominations and then and just like a an evil menagerie of like underground labs and crazy shit going on every week i would dig it do you remember the original godzilla cartoon yeah yeah the one that was based on the 90s movie the american movie right no no actually that one's great but there was one in like the 70s oh you mean the, the one with godzuki with godzuki exactly like i wonder if the jurassic park cartoon or a future one would have like a godzuki kind of oh, like oh boy like scooby-doo exactly <laughs> just like have, a a ta have a talking uh, triceratops ruh rallin well, that's exactly what it is. Like, everyone just wanted to copy Scooby-Doo. If I ever have a child, I cannot wait to the moment they first see Jurassic Park. And I'm sure they're going to be like, what else is there? And to have a series to continue like this. Some of my best memories of film growing up are like, oh, I watched the first one. Now let me try to watch all of them. And like, a kid could do that now without going to Blockbuster, which is amazing. This series, for what it's worth, is a lot of fun because dinosaurs are a lot of fun. And watching them in modern day is a 
great sort of contrast because they're not supposed to be here. And what would happen if they were brought back is such an interesting concept. I love seeing not just even dinosaurs, but it's, I love time travel movies because of that too, because you see humans out of place, you know, thinking the wrong way at the wrong time in the wrong era and stuff. So it's cool to see, you know, dinosaurs and shit uh, being brought back to modern day. Do I necessarily seek this stuff out? No. But when I'm like, quote unquote, forced to watch it, I find myself having fun. Like, I, I'm not overanalyzing. I'm not overthinking. I just have it on. I'm paying attention, but I have it on in the background. And it's a fun ride. It's just, again, this particular film and a lot of them in the series just run a little too long for me. I, I don't have a suggestion of what you would cut. But I'll leave your podcast with saying this, Mike. This is something that I've been thinking about for a couple months now. In the history of Cage Club, I know myself and I know other people have kind of railed against the fact that the popcorn movie was dead, sort of. Like, the Fast and Furious series was one of those that continued it, but for the most part, we were like, yeah, there are Marvel movies here or there, but, you know, a lot of them got super serious and super dark, you know? Like, I know you guys talked about this in the original run of Cage Club, like, hearkening back to that era of just, like, going to the theater and watching an action movie, and, and it was good because it was entertaining. You know, you're not trying to tie every loose end end i think we're kind of going back into that era right like are there still going to be good movies good indie movies great projects like that sure and i don't want to sound like a james cameron because i'm not a fan of like his arrogance or whatever but you know maybe people are just in the mood now for a movie that's going to be 27 percent on rotten tomatoes because like the audience score for this film on rotten tomatoes is in like the high 70s I think you're seeing a lot more of that, and you're going to see a lot more of that. Things ebb and flow. I will declare it. No one cares. But on Third Time's a Charm, I will declare it. I think the blockbuster is back, and I think people want to be distracted. And yes, there are room for, for great movies. Yes, there are room for really deep human interest pieces. But popcorn movies are back. As dumb as it was, Moonfall. You know, I love Roland Emmerich because he just keeps making his stupid blockbuster movies that aren't tie-ins to anything or parts of franchises and shit like that. And it's just, he, sure, he keeps blowing the world up and making the same movie, but he keeps making it better, and he likes to do it. And, and it's, you know... It's things like that that are still around. They're still out there, you know? I hope that we get back to more of that. That's pretty good. So that would probably be a good place to end this unless there's anything that we didn't mention that you just have to talk about before we step out. Well, just one thing in case someone, like, theoretically would take a, would take a sound bite. It has nothing to do with this, but when I say popcorn movies as well, I think the streaming revolution has a big deal to do with that. And I don't just mean with blockbusters um because go to netflix or every streaming service i feel like hallmark slash lifetime quality films have never been more popular right like there's so many more just silly christmas movies that that they're throwing out there there's so many more just romantic comedies that they're throwing out there that there weren't i'm just saying even a couple years ago people want to sit their ass on a couch and be entertained so in relation to jurassic dominion i think it's a very entertaining film and i and i hope your listeners out there thought so as well. Nice, because I thought so too. <laughs> I was actually kind of surprised. I was sitting down to watch this, and I was like, I don't know. I heard some shit. I hope it's not just like a bore or a waste or like, I'm going to regret this. But like, no, I was. I came out the other end, and I remember watching it going like, oh, I'm actually really enjoying myself. Uh, you know, it might be a big, stupid, dumb, loud action movie, but that's pretty much what I was exactly in the mood for. Well put. All right, so... 
let's get the hell out of here and back to dino hunting. Brian, before we do that, where can listeners find you other than right here as the unofficial co-host of Third Time's a Charm? Where can they find you on the internets? Well, Mike, you already mentioned our wonderful, wonderful project. Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. 2023 is going to be a very fun year for Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. Maybe we'll get around to finally editing the videos. I do want the videos to be a big component, but I hope you guys enjoyed our Christmas episodes. If you haven't, check them out wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, I also host High School Slumber Party, as Mike mentioned, that he's on a lot as well. High School Slumber Party AP. Mike, I don't know if you know this, but Island and I decided to uh, spin it off as its own feed. We're going to cover more modern films on there, as we always do, but we just wanted our own little place to find the modern movies. And we're looking to, and if you know anyone, please, but we're looking to interview more filmmakers, directors, people involved with a lot of the new independent teen films that are out there, um, because we know the vast majority of them are done by filmmakers who maybe it's their first film, maybe it's their second film. Because um, this is true of High School Slumber Party and High School Slumber Party AP. We all were teenagers. A lot of the stories we tell as artists come from that formative time. So that's why I'll probably always be doing High School Slumber Party in some form or another. But we just decided that we want to hear more from the artists themselves. Again, it's not an easy task to get people like that on this show, but if we can get a couple of them in 2023, that's our goal. So check out Hardy Sloanberg AP as well. And uh, I might have some other things that I've been working on down the pike here or there that might be debuting in 2023. If Twitter still exists by the time this episode comes out, I'm not sure if it will or not. But you can find me there on my personal Twitter at OhMyRodriguez, O-H-M-Y Rodriguez. All right. That sounds awesome. I'm very much looking forward to all the fun podcasts that will be coming out of the Cage Club Network this year. What year is it? 2023? And you can find me and all the other shows I am on. I'll just give one honorable mention right now to The Monsters That Made It with Dan Cologne. Thank you all for listening. It's overwhelming sometimes of the response to that show. Thank you very much for listening. And always uh, with the podfather himself, Joey Lewandowski and I, we have just recorded a new episode of the Elvis podcast. So go listen to Viva Pod Vegas, my boy. It will make me so happy. It will cost you nothing and you will like it. And I guess until next time. Happy New Year, everybody. Three. That's the magic number. Three. Yes, it is. It's the magic number. Three. 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 Three.